perspective. So we know that podcasting is quite big. Um, so we've just seen with, Gre with James Cridlin's slides that although the slice of audience listening share is quite small, um, that audience is exceptionally loyal. So there is uh, po uh, possibilities there to make some money out of it. So they're going to speak to us about potentially how you could do that. Take it away, guys. There we go. We are audio producers. We can do this. Boom. There we go. <laughs> All right. So we would like to welcome you to the session. It's on the business of uh, podcasting. So honestly, we could give a, probably about a six-hour presentation on kind of all the intricacies uh, of how you can approach making money through both marketing and the business of podcasting. But this is going to be a, a bit of a crash course, okay? So what we're going to do is kind of run you through uh, the basics, uh, and then we're going to try to go as quickly as we can to question and answers. So that way you can, we can probably speak to more specific situations that you all might be encountering. Um, but first, who are we? Yes. So I'm Verilyn Williams. I work for WNYC Radio, which is the public radio affiliate. I see we have a public radio fan over here um, in New York City. Um, I've been doing this for 10 plus years. I'm Sierra Leonean by birth. Um, so, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name is Eric Eddings. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee in America, so I, I, don't, I don't expect to get the same level of applause. <laughs> but uh, I am the uh, host and producer for The Nod, which is a podcast from uh, Gimlet Media. Uh, we tell stories about uh, black culture and life. So uh, in, in addition, before that, I also uh, founded an independent podcast called For Colored Nerds, which I ran for about four years and have kind of worked in various capacities uh, at Gimlet. So, yes. let's start by just honestly just kind of taking a look at the market, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we wanted to make sure definitely that we think about what has been successful here on the continent. And so in Kenya, there is widespread fiber, uh, you know, fi um, Wi-Fi is easily accessible. And so one of the biggest podcasts there is called The Spread, which is a sex, sexual health podcast. And which, you know, obviously we mostly know that Africa is very conservative, um, but for the most part, it's like, it's like reaching out to many, many people. And then we also have Afroqueer. Um, but in the States, we have The Read. How many people, by a show of hands, have heard of The Read? Wow, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> the Read is like the biggest POC, but also biggest podcast in the States, would you say? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely like, makes the like, top 10. It has a very dedicated following. Uh, and it has translated into many different opportunities for, uh, for the host and that production team. And it's a chat show, mm -hmm. um, which I think, you know, they were one of the first to do it. And really, like, their podcast sometimes can be, like, two hours long. Which, two and a half, even. Two and a half, yeah. even, <laughs> yeah. Which, for the most part, no one is listening to your two and a half podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, but that speaks to the, the level of commitment and engagement from their, their users. Their fans, yeah. honestly. Um, and then we have shows like The Daily, which is a daily news podcast. This American Life. How many people have heard of This American Life? Okay, there we go. A few, a few more, more hands. hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, also one of the first to kind of like go into the podcasting world. And they created Serial, which also I think, at least for the American market, 
most people that have heard of podcasting heard of it once Serial came out. And that's more of an investigative crime show. And that also my favorite murder, which is also a really huge show in the States, is also like an investigative talk about crime and mystery. So that's also a huge opportunity. Yeah. True crime in general is, yeah. is a big, big driver of downloads and listens, at least in the States for sure. Um, and moving on to kind of the networks and podcast companies that are out there. Um, so you have uh, my alma mater, <laughs> uh, Gimlet Media, which is a podcast network. We host about like 12 different shows ranging from uh, everything from business. We have science podcasts. Uh, we have fiction. Uh, in addition to my own personal show about black culture, The Nod. Uh, and we're actually a subsidiary of Spotify. Which is a new deal. Yes. So one of the things that I'm really interested in is as podcasting is getting bigger and bigger, companies are starting to merge. And so you're starting to see like, you know, Gimlet, which was, um, was founded by people that came out of NPR, has now merged with a for-profit podcasting platform called Spotify, right? And so you're starting to see that people are like, well, there's a lot of opportunity here and people are more and more people are interested in it. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that also is interesting to kind of know about that consolidation that Verilyn just mentioned is it's, it's happening a lot through platforms that were traditionally distribution focused are now often merging with uh, like small content shops that are actually creating content. So you have platforms like Spotify, like uh, Midroll Media, which is listed here, which started out strictly just kind of serving ads or being kind of the ad network. Now they're actually getting into content, similar to Stitcher as well. And so, and so does that make sense? Yes, I just want to like, you know, we're a call and response community, right? And yeah. so I just want to make sure that this is all making sense that like, so, People that literally just made content are now merging with people that got into business just to put ads on podcasts. So yeah. the, the people that, the business people that, that just focus on advertising and making money are now merging with the content creators. And I think like me and Eric are kind of like representative of that too, because I'm very much a content driven person. I, I believe I, that's mostly what I've done. And Eric has come from, has a business background and a business person that went into making content. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's just a lot of merging of the two. There's, there's kind of been some synergy there. And so there's, there's opportunity if you're thinking about practical application, if you're focusing on the content that you're creating and making good content that is connecting with audiences, there is a market for that. And platforms are very interested in being able to take those shows and give them to their, their audiences and listeners. And, and another thing I want to point out here, too, is that, so like WNYC Studios, which is the podcasting arm of WNYC Radio. Um, Slate Podcast is the podcasting arm of Slate.com. So there are also, the opposite is happening, right? Whereas like traditionally journalists, journalist outlets are now having podcast arms, right? And so just thinking of it, I, I'm sure there are people here that are on for-profit. Maybe you have an NGO or like there's different arms and then thinking about it, like, do you want it to be a, something that serves primarily a vision, like a mission-driven entity or do you want it to be something that is mostly making you money, right? And so these, a lot of these shops have kind of figured that out in different, different ways. And so let's talk a little bit more about distribution. It kind of came up in this slide, but I think we can speak to it a bit more specifically. So these, so these platforms here, we, we 
kind of consider them distributors. So they are not creating their own content. Their goal is to take podcasts that people have created and make it easily accessible for everyone else. So you have Libsyn. So if I'm creating a podcast and I want to get that podcast out to the world, I can go through Libsyn and upload my podcast to their network and they will do the job of distributing it through an RSS feed that would appear on Apple uh, Podcasts, for example. Um, and, uh, Not to or, be confused with iTunes. Yes. <laughs> that has changed. They care a lot about that change, too. Uh, and in addition, you have like Anchor, for example, uh, which was actually also recently, recently acquired by Spotify. And, and that's a system, that's a kind of a, a broader platform where you can actually create your podcast on it uh, and upload it to the networks that would that would get it out to people mm-hmm. and anchor is for the most part free um, which i know a lot of people are on it but one of the things i definitely want to encourage everyone to do is to read the fine prints because i was actually going like i was like free like how do they actually make this work and i was reading into the like terms of service that no one ever clicks on you just click the check and you move on with your life yeah. and it said anchor is a great free platform if you're okay with them using your editing modifying Reprodu- reproducing and distribution of your podcast, yeah. right? And so that's what you're signing away when you use the free podcast. It's great, but also it has a catch. Yeah, and that catch, I mean, typically from, from our, my understanding, like what they mean by that is like they might use it in marketing materials or, you know, in promotional campaigns. And so, you, you know, if that's something you're comfortable with, Anchor might be a good platform for you because they provide kind of a one-stop shop where you can record in the, you can actually record your podcast into the software and then just, you know, kind of press a button and, and send it out. Uh, but there are a few others. So you have Spreaker, Spreaker, SoundCloud, which a lot of people are actually pretty familiar with. It's, it's pretty easy to get started on SoundCloud uh, and Podbean. But there, there are honestly many, many others. There's a lot of kind of new startups popping up in this space to make it simpler to just get your show to the masses. Uh, by a show of hands, how many people are familiar with one or one of these? Oh, great. Oh, great. Okay, okay good. Cool. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of get into the nitty gritty. Um, we'll start by just talking about, like, you know, what's the show and who's it for? And these, these, these questions, answering these questions, will really, really help you shape what opportunities you need to take to actually, to actually monetize your business. Or monetize your show. And so, you know, defining your audience. I'm really big about finding a mission and vision. So even if it's a chat show or whatever, you know, if it's not necessarily thinking about it as, um, you know, a mission, meaning like you have a social um, goal for your podcast, I believe that you should have it. Even if it's like to make my audience laugh every every week you know just knowing what you're doing because in the editorial process you're going to have to make tough choices whether it's what do i cut out you know what guests do i want there's a lot of little things that come in so like having knowing what your mission and your vision is for your show will really help you make some of those decisions right um knowing like who you're making it for who's your primary audience who's your secondary audience so for instance i was thinking about this there's a new show on mid-roll called um dead ass yes <laughs> which i like my new favorite podcast is by the uh, this they call themselves the millennial Mil- 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 i can never say yes. that word Mil- millennial. millennial they call yes. themselves a millennial marriage mm-hmm. podcast and so what i love about them is that they're caribbean they're christian but they're also like our age and they're married and they're talking about like you know what is 
what is dating within your marriage, all that kind of stuff. So their primary audience is probably like other millennials, right? But then they, their secondary audience might be their parents' age, right? To kind of understand like what their children's marriage and how it's different. It might be someone that is interested in um, I don't know, advertising to black people. Like, what is that? You know, maybe it's people that are not black, they're like, wait, you know, what are young black couples in Brooklyn like? So thinking about that, like very, speaking very specifically, so that way you know, again, with the editorial process, what do you leave in? Who are you speaking to? What do you explain? What don't you explain? And that's going to be essential when you're thinking about marketing and, and reaching out to new audiences and trying to acquire a new audience. If you can't be specific about who those audiences are, you are going to struggle a bit in, in knowing kind of where to start. But thinking about like who that, like, like Verilyn said, who that primary audience is, who are the people you're trying to reach first? The people who might be most evangelical about your show um, is really important. But then you can't forget about all those other little groups who might also find value in your show uh, and, and would be interested in simply listening or even maybe recommending it to others. Yeah. There's a lot of podcasting is word of mouth. Like, majority. The biggest way to get your podcast a, new, a big audience is by putting it on a different podcast. Like, number one way. Um, what, and then you also want to think about like how often is it going to run? Is it going to be seasonal? Is it going to be a limited series? Is it going to be weekly? A lot of times people, when they're starting a podcast, like, let's just start it, right? And you're like, we're going to do this every week. And then you get tired and you are not able to sustain whatever it is. And like I always say it's better to offer your audience more than you promise than offer them less. So if you said um, this is going to be a daily podcast, and if you dot daily, you're gonna lose people, right? And so I would always say in the beginning, in the beginning particularly, like the show that, um, so I didn't mention the show that we just launched at WNYC called The Stakes. And it's a podcast with a team that have done other shows at WNYC. So we hope that a lot of that audience will come to this new show, which is about like the world that we live in, it was not, it's not by chance, it was by design, right? And so we're like very heavily documentary type show. And so we're doing it bi-weekly in the beginning, even though the host, Kai Wright, a lot of, he already has a following. A lot of the producers already have a following, but we're like, let's start bi-weekly and we could always go to weekly, then say we're gonna be weekly and our production schedule can't match that. And again, these have business and marketing implications as well. So if you're a seasonal show, you know you're likely gonna to wanna to concentrate your marketing around the actual time period that your show is running because it's not running all year. You might be, you might want to market in the time in which your show is not actually uh, airing, but you might not want to put all your money there. <laughs> you not, might not want to put all your time there because you want to drive people to the show usually as it's coming out. Uh, and there are different implications if it's a limited series or weekly as well. So all these things are important questions to keep in mind because they're going to kind of affect. It's like a, it's like a Rube Goldberg machine. It's going to like this. The you. Know, knock one domino down and it causes subsequent ones to fall down. So it's important to think about these things. And then, you know, knowing your brand, knowing your colors, knowing, even like, I, you know, Eric put together the slideshow and like even the choice to make defining your content and, and audience lowercase, right? That's a stylistic choice. So making sure that you're thinking about all of that because it indicates something about you. Yeah. In addition, again, going back to like, so if you think about even just your show art, like your show art, the, the logo that people see when they're looking at your podcast, that has to be eye-catching. That has to be something that grabs people. It should also look good small. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like... Let me go back to this. Let's just look at some of the... The re, you know what I mean? Like, it does, these do look good. 
would you say? Look good, small. I mean, yeah. actually, my favorite murder, I probably wouldn't have chose that, but it does have, like, people that are interested in that genre. It has the, like, cutout of a magazine. So they're still making a choice. Yeah. Um, but, like, it also has to fit within your personality. Yeah, but, and also just take, for instance, the read. Like, it is very clear. Even if, even if you can't see their faces, you know you're going, you know what this show is. So all those things have really, really important implications uh, for, for the future. And then, okay, also with defining your content and audience, you want to think about how will this podcast benefit your audience? What podcasts are you competing with? Which is super, super important. Like knowing who else is doing, like everyone, I, one thing, I, people are constantly coming to me and saying, I want to make a show. And the first thing I tell them, particularly if they're young, I can't, I don't know why I keep wanting to say that show. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you can't be the read, because guarantee you is two friends. They're like, we want to start a podcast. What they're really thinking is that we want to be the read. And you know what? The read is already the read. And so thinking about like, who are you going to be? Who are you competing with? And how is your show going to be different? Um, and then thinking about what does success look like, which is very important, especially for like, like I said, I'm more content driven. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just, I want to do like really good journalism, which is not always mesh with people like Eric who wants it to be really make my, a lot of money. They want people I do. to down, they want people to download it so they can make money. They can offer their, the advertisers what they promise. Whereas like for me, I just want to make someone cry, right? And so <laughs> like knowing what success looks like and it could be a lot of different things. Yeah, but it does also affect content. Like, you know, I want to make a lot of money, which means I want to make people laugh sometimes. I want to make, you know, I want to make people feel the things that make them come back. Yeah. And so though, you know, though, like how you approach that content does affect how you approach the marketing and and and, uh, and the business side of it. So it's 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 important. And the measurable goal is really important for advertisers. They want to know specifically how many people are listening. How, and, then, and now it's, it's changed because there used to yeah. be a time where it was how many people are downloading your episodes. Now it's how many people actually listen, which has changed it for a lot of different people. Because how many people have subscribed to like a million podcasts? And then like how many do you actually listen to, right? And so they're no longer just, they're no longer just looking at the, how many people have downloaded or subscribed. They're, they're paying attention to how many people are actually listening, which has messed with a lot of people's <laughs> advertising budgets. Yeah, but, and we'll come back to that in, in, in actually a, a second. All right, so let's actually get into talking about kind of the marketing uh, of a show really quick. So the thing I like to talk about when I think about marketing is like, I like to think about this as like engines of growth. So you have the opportunity to use all these different engines to uh, drive growth of your audience for your show. And actually, and for what it's worth, I'll make uh, a link to this available at the, at the end of the, the session. So if you wanna come back and look at this uh, presentation, you'll have access to that. Uh, so let's kinda, I'm gonna go through this list pretty quick and emphasize ones that I think are probably most important for you to consider that a lot of people don't think of. Uh, so social media is obvious, okay. So if you think about this, podcasting is a surprisingly social medium because because of the fact you think oh i'm listening to this myself you know it's it's like very personal but people love to talk about the shows that they're listening to and people also trust recommendations from their friends from other hosts that they listen to so social can be a very very important part of your marketing mix that is also relatively cheap 
It's also time consuming. I would encourage you, if you're thinking about marketing your show, you want to go back to what Verilyn said, you want to commit to something that you can execute consistently. You want people to know where they can go to find you and find your content, but you can be selective. So our show, The Nod, we are most, we are everywhere, but we're mostly on Twitter. Most of our audience is on Twitter. And so they are, they are constantly retweeting our tweets. They're asking us questions about the show. They're continuing conversations. They're asking for, you know, uh, oh, you mentioned a book. What book was that that, that you mentioned on the show? And we're recommending that. And people and other people are seeing those things too. And that helps drive uh, new conversions and new listeners. There's also paid media as well. So you think about things like, uh, if you, does anyone here use Instagram? Okay, everybody uses Instagram. So you know Instagram, they have the stories. Like so one thing that's become uh, relatively popular or, or at least being used used a lot more are Instagram ads. You can actually take a story and show people a little visual and uh, play some of your audio and they can swipe up and it'll take you directly to your show. That's a really, really, really great way to speed the amount, to speed that process of hearing a little bit of a show and being able to act on that. There's also Twitter, there's uh, search, you know, all these things that you can kind of pay for, banner ads. But here's what I would say. So using paid media, if you, if you aren't coming from a company with a significant budget, it can be useful, but I would encourage you to be strategic with it. Like uh, think about using paid media at points of launch, like when your show is launching, and frankly, you just need a lot of people to know about it. Or if you have a very special episode that you think is going to kind of, that is gonna blow the water compared to everything else that you uh, might have produced before, that might be something you wanna promote. But it can add up a lot. And one thing that the podcast industry hasn't truly figured out is something called cost per acquisition. And so how much on average you pay to acquire one person to download your show. If you go, and, and I'm being pretty frank about this even with my own company. So, you know, even with Gimlet, Spotify, we're all, like all these networks, they're all trying very different things to figure out from a paid standpoint how to actually uh, effectively and cheaply acquire audience. And so think about paid media mostly as an awareness tool. It's not the thing that's gonna drive probably a million downloads of your, uh, of your, of your podcast. Uh, think about it as driving awareness of your show and then you might need other tactics to kind of follow up on that. Mm -hmm. um, so next you have merch. This will be really quick. It's a very passive way, but I often, let's see, is my backpack right here? I often travel with a bag for my other show. And you know, I designed this bag and I think it looks pretty cool, but guess what? I get stopped all the time, they're like, oh, where's that from? I'm like, well, you know, actually, it's my podcast that I host, uh, Call for Color Nerds. And they go, oh, wow, I'd like to check out that tote. Yeah. Well, you can check us out at forcolornerds.com, you, you can grab a tote bag or you can grab <laughs> something else. But you know, it's a very passive means, but having merch like a t-shirt, a button, a pin, all those things are things that people see and can help build awareness for your show. Uh, guest spots, so appearing on another show. If someone's already listened to a podcast, guess what? It's more likely that they're, that they're open to listening to another podcast. Mm -hmm. So if you can be a guest on another show, definitely take those opportunities. And think about shows that, uh, that would align with your audience. Mm -hmm. Focus on those shows first. And I would say that's the most proven way. Yeah. 
that's the like number one way. Like the the most successful shows you know is because they're affiliated or have been on another very successful show that you know. Yes, platform features. This is something also that's very new. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, let's see, Overcast, whatever, some Tune In. These are other networks or, or apps that you download simply to listen to your shows. And most of them now are creating editorial teams. And those editorial teams are open for everyone to communicate. You can get their email, you can reach out to them, establish a relationship and just say, hey, I've got this new show coming out. I think you guys would like it. Can I send you an episode? And if you think, it's, if you think it looks nice, you can feature it. And that is something that, personally, on The Nod, and even on For Colored Nerds before, we had a lot of success with. As an independent show for Colored Nerds, it made a big difference to be featured on Apple Podcasts. Like, that actually changed our show overnight. So, you know, don't think it only has to happen through social or these other channels. You can reach out directly to these platforms, and they are actually excited to work with you because they want to show a variety of new types of content. Which is mine, like for me as a content creator, it's a little frustrating because literally is the difference between sending an email and not sending an email. Yeah. Like, it has nothing to do with what you're creating. Yeah. Um, so you'll be surprised. Get that email. What's um, Steve, what's the guy at Apple? Steve Wilson, for Steve example. Steve Wilson. Just email him. He's emails people back. Yeah, he is, the, uh, he is basically the head content lead at Apple Podcasts. And he's a surprisingly, surprisingly nice guy. He will engage with you. Very those, accessible, surprisingly accessible. Yeah. Uh, reach out to those people. Definitely nurture those relationships. They can pay off a lot. Promo swaps. So, you know, some, a lot of people, even if you don't have ads, you might have, you know, a piece of your show at the top or at the bottom or the middle where you're saying, you know, hey, if you like this episode, check out another episode. Recommend other shows and get those shows to recommend you. Again, these are people who are already listening to podcasts. After they finish this show, they're going to want something else to listen to. And so you want to be in a position where they're going to listen to your show. And getting a recommendation from a host that they already trust and go to probably every week or biweekly or whatever cadence, that is a big, big difference. And so send them, you know, send them a let send them an email and say, hey, here's just a little paragraph of some language. I would love it if you can share on my show. You can send it to me and I'll share it on uh, I would love it if you could share my show and I'll share yours. But try to get that that host to make that appeal personal. People want to feel like, like I don't want to just hear, hey, listen to the nods, a show about black culture, you know, that tells stories you might not have heard before. I want to hear, you know what, I was listening to this, this new podcast called The Nod, and wow, this story blew me away for X reason. That's a big, big driver uh, for people. They're saying, hey, this person who I trust connected with it. Let me get check it out, too. And go, come, kind of coming back to what we were talking about before, the absolute absolute best way to drive listeners to your podcast is to get your podcast in other shows. So, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a full episode. It could be a tiny one. But think about the biggest show that we know, Serial. So Serial launched through This American Life. They played an episode of the show in full and said, hey, go check this out. Serial start to blow up after that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you might establish a relationship with a show that has somewhat similar content to yours. Say, hey, you know, I think, I think this story or I think, you know, this piece of my show online 
really, really well with yours, would you be willing to consider dropping it down the feed? This week, we actually shared an episode of The Stakes uh, that Verilyn works on, with this awesome episode about kind of the birth of conscious rap. Yeah. And so what we did with that show, we brought in the reporter of that episode, Christopher Johnson. We did a tiny interview at the front and a tiny interview at the back, and then just played their show in full. It worked out great for us, because that's a week of content that we did not have to produce. <laughs> it saved us a lot of time and energy, and hopefully you know, it drives some new listeners to the stakes, and you know, maybe at some point later on the, down Absolutely. the road, we will hit them up and yeah. say, hey, we have something that thinks Well, that Brittany, his co-host used to, oh, I used to um, produce a show called Represent mm -hmm. out of Slate. I used to work for Slate, and she would come on our show all the time. So that's, you know, this is something, especially when you're, you know, just because we're among families, especially when you're a black person doing this work in the States, it's a it's new, in New York City. It's very small, and so a lot of this stuff happens very, like, hey, Eric, can you? Yeah, can you do this? Help me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I say that to say too, like, the people in here, the people that you see, like, make sure you don't walk away today without like getting to know what other people are working on, so you can do some of these things. Exactly. All right, let's talk ads. All right, <laughs> so. The big important thing to remember is do what works for you. There are a lot of different ways to slice this. And you know, you don't have to do everything. Start small. Pick the pieces that you think you can you can accomplish regularly. So advertisers, they want to be able to count on what you can deliver. Yes. You know, that's why it's important to think about how often your show comes out. If you if you're saying your show is weekly and an advertiser is going to pay you uh, to put an ad down it weekly, if you miss an episode, that's that's potential revenue and exposure that they're missing out on. Yeah. So you want to make sure that as you think about what mix of advertising or sponsorship that you have, think about what you can actually commit to and support. There's administrative work that comes along with this too. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it's a lot. So just kind of think about that, okay? Uh, okay, so ad formats. I'm gonna run through this really quick. So pre-roll, that's the, fifth, the first 15, 30 seconds of your show often will be small ads that are really short that, uh, that come from advertisers. These are kind of the second most expensive types of ad placements because it's the first thing you hear. Usually before you even hear your content, you're hearing a pre-roll, either one or usually like two, okay? Uh, then you have mid-rolls, okay? So mid-rolls are podcast break, or sorry, ad breaks that come in the middle of your show, hence the name. Uh, and they're usually, each one is usually about 60 seconds in length. And that is great for advertisers because they get a, that's a long time to be able to communicate their message to your audience. Uh, usually these are, the, the copy is supplied to you, but you can kind of make it your own sometimes and work together with the advertiser to do that. These are the most expensive placements because people at this point, they're halfway through your show. They're motivated to see what happens. They want to know how the story wraps up. They want to know that crazy thing that somebody's going to say after they come back from the break. So typically they're, they're, they're willing to kind of listen through those ads and that makes it really great for you. All right, post roll. Last 15 to 30 seconds at the end of the show. These are the least expensive placements because a lot of times after the credits, people are on to the next thing. But it can be really good for the people who listen through. This might be a, oh, sorry, this might be a great place to do a promo swap to advertise another show. And uh, because at the end of the day, they're almost done with yours. What are they gonna listen to next? And those are things that you can kind of sell.
And every shop kind of has different rules about like, are these things that the hosts are going to read, or are they going to be pre-recorded, or they're going to is the advertiser sending you an already ready-made thing that you can plop in? So that would be negotiated. Like for so, for instance, at Slate, we would always have host read um, pre-rolls, mid-rolls, post-rolls. But at WNYC, because for the most part, like Kai Wright, the host that I work with, he's a journalist. He can't be out here at, talking about me undies, right? Which is like a very popular. <laughs> um, company that hosts with, I mean, that advertises with podcasts, but, you know, they might send something or someone else might read it in the station. All right, so I'm going to go pretty, I'm going to go a little faster so we can make sure we get some time for questions. Okay, so podcast uh, advertisers, you have direct. And so direct advertisers are, has everybody heard of Squarespace? Okay, so Squarespace is a good example of this. So, you know, you do a little ad for Squarespace, you say go to squarespace.com slash the nod or slash the stakes uh, for $20 off uh, your first month, for example. And that, for them, is really, really great because they get a, they're, they're looking for direct conversions. That's kind of why you get those, di like why they say direct advertisers. It's all about the conversion for them. Uh, but direct advertisers often have been, or have been traditionally known to take chances on podcasts. Podcast ads are relatively cheap when you think about TV. And so online services like that uh, are really, really interested in reaching lots of different pockets of users. So you can search out which direct advertisers <laughs> might fit best for your show mm -hmm. and try to appeal to them. Uh, brand advertisers, these are usually like larger companies. So, you know, think like Coca-Cola, Sony, um, let's see, what else? Uh, maybe even sometimes Apple. Um, these are big brands that typically aren't looking to drive conversions. People are going to buy their stuff anyway, but they want you to know about it. And so those people will pay usually a lot more money, actually, to get their spot on your show. Um, it's a little harder to compete for, if I'm being honest, from a podcast standpoint, just because usually those budgets are you know, decided by sometimes like a marketing agency, like sometimes there's just a lot of hoops to go through, but not always. If you're reaching out to a brand department, you're saying, hey, I think my show aligns with your product, you know, can we talk about what could come next? But I will say that I think there's a lot of opportunity, particularly here on the continent, right? Because a lot of times, I think a brand advertiser in, in a specific town that has their, you know, people that can go to their store, you know, it might be just more, hey, can, you know, let me explain to you what a podcast is, right? And let me tell you how many are, and I think that there are creative ways, I think, particularly with brand, with direct and branded, where you can be more local. Yeah, and so, and then you have like native or branded content. So basically, what th this is supposed to feel not like an ad. So typically in Gimlet ads, uh, you know, there's a, a special kind of music playing underneath. Uh, you know, we had like a beep that started before, but in native shows, it's meant to feel like a natural part of the show. It might also be a branded podcast. Like uh, Gimlet has a whole wing that makes podcasts for companies like, you know, uh, New Balance or um, Blue Apron or, or some, you know, a variety of different companies. Nike uh, and those shows. Once you start it, it doesn't sound like an ad. It's actual content, uh, but for Nike, it serves an awareness purpose that is very, very um, important. All right, we're going to move on. So notes on campaigns, really, really quick. So downloads are typically 
the primary unit of measure. But as Verilyn mentioned, time spent listening is becoming a lot more important. Uh, direct advertisers usually want a mix of downloads. They want a higher number of downloads because they want to know if people listen to your show. But they also care a lot about the conversions themselves. So they'll tell you how many people use the nod code to, you know, to get Squarespace. Um, these so things are charged based on what's called a CPM, and that's cost per thousand downloads. And CPMs range wildly. I'll be honest. So like uh, when when for Color Nerds first started, uh, our CPM was about uh, I think it was like twenty five twenty five dollars per thousand downloads, which you know didn't add up that often. And towards the end, it started getting a little better. But, uh, but like who were some of the people that advertised with you in the beginning? Um, so we advertised with uh, a small startup called, well at the time it's, it's a little larger now, called Talkspace. And they were a basically like a therapy nonprofit through an, or not nonprofit, they were a therapy app. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted people to, uh, to log on to that app and to sign up for basically like on-demand therapy. And so they would pay us to advertise on, on their thing. And some of those relationships we reached out to directly. Like we were just like, hey, can you come, you know, can you advertise on our show? We talk about mental health a lot. Like we think it would be a great fit for you. And then you kind of negotiate. A lot of this is trial and error. When you're talking about 150 plus per thousand downloads, that means you're reaching a lot of people. So you're talking hundreds of thousands, you know, maybe even closer to a million people are listening to your show. Um, but there are other ways to be able to kind of tweak that. And like I said, a lot of that is really kind of trial and error. There are advertising networks that will serve ads for you and set your CPM for you dynamically, meaning it could change like every single day. It could change based on the advertiser. A lot of times those advertisers want to take a significant cut of that revenue though. So that is something to keep in mind. In addition from some research I've done here, there aren't a ton of uh, networks that provide that service here. But I do know that like companies like Spotify, for example, are working to kind of expand to this market to be able to offer more of those services. So just kind of keep an eye out for that. But a lot of this can be just trial and error, reaching out on your own. Uh, going back to what Verilyn said, are, are the hosts reading your ads? If you have a host, like you said, who is a journalist who might want to, you know, uh, yeah, want some distance to maintain that kind of professional integrity, they might not want to read it. Um, but you also have things where you can have dynamically inserted ads, where basically the, the service itself will drop the ad in for you, or you drop it in, and then the, you know, uh, someone else is recording, and you just kind of keep it moving, like radio. Can I ask uh, maybe two or three people to come if you have a question, just so we can, once we get through the next slide, just get to the question? Sure. Uh, and so we talked about, oh, small if you have a small audience and you're just starting out, it can be really smart to bundle with other shows. You can say, hey, advertisers, we'd love for you to advertise on this block of shows that aligns with yours. Together we can put, together we can pull X amount of downloads a month or X amount of downloads an episode and that could be really valuable for you. And it's a way to kind of beef up yourself and the perception of your show, especially if you're just starting out. All right, some other ways to make money, and we'll go through these pretty quick. Events, these are small, 
local things that you can do to not only invigorate your audience, but also to make a little money. Mm -hmm. So on the simplest version, you can you know, talk to a venue and simply get them to pay just you a small appearance fee to actually hold your show there. Uh, this might be great if you're just starting out, if things aren't proven yet, and you wanna say, hey, let me just try this out in your space. You pay me a little money, I'll take care of the rest. You keep the tickets, you know, if there's a bar, you keep the drinks, all that stuff. Um, or you can kind of negotiate those things. If you know you can pack out a venue, you can be a little more aggressive. Like say, hey, I wanna charge this ticket price, you take this much, I take this much. You know, we split the bar example. You can also sell merch at those, uh, at, at those events as well, which can be a great way to provide additional awareness outside of that. But basically, I kind of consider all of these things. Uh, let's see. Oh, so let's talk about merch actually a little bit more. So there are many different types of merch, and I'll be honest with you, I'm sometimes very lazy, so if I can have other processes do things for me, that's really great. There are services like Printful, uh, if you write that down, where you can actually just take your logo and apply it to many different types of products, uh, and I'll just give you an example. Like that tote bag, I made two files. I made this file, <laughs> and I made this file, and I was able to apply that on all of these different types of products that they select. And the other thing about this is I didn't have to buy a thousand t-shirts, a thousand tote bags, a thousand mugs. They will print them on demand and send them to your customers. So you're literally, you're the only thing you're actually receiving is the profit. Um, so check out companies like Printful, or you have things like uh, Warehouse Fulfillment, where you do buy a big run of t-shirts or something, you send it to a warehouse and they fulfill it for you. These are still ways to make money. You can still make profit from all of these things, and it does increase awareness of your show. And lastly, sometimes you can use services like Teespring, where you can crowdfund one t-shirt. If I get 50 people sign up, they, they want a nod t-shirt, they'll make it and they'll ship it to everyone. All right, strategies for success. We're gonna do this real quick, okay. So, you cannot do everything at once, okay? Maybe you launch a show, you know, do a soft launch, then start rolling out your marketing, then start reaching out to advertisers, but think about the mix of marketing and sponsorship that you can maintain, uh, because all of this stuff has additional administrative work. How do you gauge success? You wanna think about the thing you need first is content. As Verlin said, content is king. The show has to be good for people to pay you for it. So you wanna make sure you focus and invest on your show first, and then start focusing on marketing your show, and then start focusing on monetizing that show. Um, focus on topics that you can sell. So a lot of times advertisers are extremely risk averse. That doesn't mean you have to be in your content. Mm -hmm. The Nod sometimes does some very ridiculous shows. In one of them, I, we did a show about uh, this erotica writer where I actually read a piece of erotica on the air. It was, it was, you know, it was very different. I did not direct my mom to listen to that episode. You know, and that might not be one that we heavily emphasize to advertisers. But another episode where we're talking about MDMA uh, and how that can be used to treat racial trauma, that might be one we push very heavily, okay? Uh, sometimes you can fundraise for initial expenses. You can say, hey, if you sponsor my show initially to help me get set up, you can be the exclusive sponsor for the nine for the first like month or two. These are all strategies that you can use. And look, 
when we first started with For Color Nerds, we tried to do every single thing at once. We started weekly. It was, was just like, the two of you, right? It was just the two of us. I was like, you know, we're going to do this daily. This is going to take off. It's going to be amazing. We quickly went bi-weekly in terms of releasing episodes. Uh, we started splitting up who did what. We focused our efforts. We had to think about what we could actually achieve. At the point we were making For Color Nerds, we had full-time jobs outside of this. And it was really tough. This is a lot of work. So think about what you can manage. All right. We have time for All right. questions. We can potentially take one question. Um, we do have a tea break after this, though, so you can feel free we'll to approach right, yeah. Eddie and Verilyn during the tea break. So I'll take one over there, Lynn. And while she's getting them in the mic, how many people here have podcasts? How many and people I are, th are thinking about creating a podcast? Okay, great. Okay. Cool. Thank you, guys. Very informative, really. Um, the question is, if all these platforms, and there's no reason why you wouldn't, but you must tell us if this is correct. Sure. If, I, if I'm starting a podcast and I'm neurotic and I don't know who's ever going to listen to me, can I go on to different platforms? In other words, would you choose one and stick with it in terms oh. of the actual platform uploady thing? Well, the... The, the great thing about podcasts is most of the infrastructure is shared. Yeah. So like if you go on Libsyn, you know, you upload your file to Libsyn once and it sends it everywhere on all those yeah, different platforms. Yeah, to Stitcher, to iTunes. Like the, the RSS feed is what you use to distribute it to people. But that the where it's holding it, like... Um, like the domain, that's yeah. not the right word. Yeah, the domain sure. is, that's, that's where you're uploading it. That's where it's housed, but then it goes out to other yeah. places. And if you're talking about marketing, that is might be where I would emphasize like focusing on one platform, kind of, not at a time, but focusing on the things that you can manage. Like maybe I do Twitter and a newsletter or something like that. Can I um, encourage, I know we're like out of time, but I'm always, I feel like sometimes you need to ask people, um, particularly young women of color, I won't look at one that raised her hand saying that she wanted to start a podcast. Does anyone else have a question? Um, of Anyone else? No, maybe? Yes? Maybe just okay. one more. Okay. okay, we'll do one more. Um, but then again, we have a tea break till 20 yeah. past, so please, you can approach yeah. them outside during tea. So we'll take one more over here. Okay. Hi guys, thank you very much. Sure. Uh, so you emphasize downloads a lot yes. and the value of downloads. Now, aren't we in an age where people are streaming? So how do you 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 apply the value to streaming versus downloads? That's re that's a really great question. And some platforms are starting to move away from them. So Spotify, for example, is starting to emphasize time spent streaming. Uh, and so it depends on who. Like, like how much it's important to your advertising, what data you can actually get from your platform. Uh, but typically for down for streaming, there's a period of time, and it differs for basically each platform for what would count as the equivalent of a download. Uh, some platforms are only like 30 seconds. If people have listened to your show for over 30 seconds, and that comes from the fact that a lot of people, if they might start a show, but they'll usually stop listening if they don't like it after about 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so if you make it to 30, that's a good signal that like, oh, they're going to continue listening to the rest of the show. And they probably at least made it through the first couple ads. Uh, and then other time spent streaming, if you can make it past a minute, for example, that's another signal that this person is going to continue listening to the other show. So pay attention to that. And a lot of platforms will actually show you uh, where people are dropping off in your episode, and that can help to communicate how much time is spent streaming, which might, you, which might also be interesting to advertisers. Lovely. Thank you, Eddie and Verilyn. We'll break till 20 past. <laughs>